0: So today I want to talk about only one ambition. So my focus this morning is not on the past, but on however much time is left. We want to spend today looking at how much time we have left until Jesus comes. I don't know whether the Apostle Paul wrote the letter Uh, to the Philippians at the dawn of a new year. I don't know that. But this particular epistle contains within itself three verses that are more than appropriate for today. Philippians 3. Not that I have already attained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So in this passage that we just read, Paul describes the Christian life as an athletic exercise an analogy that made it quite simple for the early church in Philippi to understand what Paul was trying to get across to them. As they heard this part of the letter, Paul had written to them they could easily envision runners in a race pounding their feet, swinging their arms, and dripping with sweat as they pushed toward the finish line, determined to get the prize. That was the ambition of every athlete as they struggled and structured their lives around the one goal, I want the prize. Paul wanted disciples then and now to see our earthly walk with Jesus through the lens of an Olympic race. And in order to grow in personal holiness and spiritual maturity, there must be sustained energy and there must be an effort that you and I make to become like Jesus. No disciple wins the race of faith by cruising and coasting efforts. Only by pressing on and by pushing ahead will we get the prize. Whether you realize it or not at the time, your race began The very first day you were born again. So the track laid out before you is the will of God. And the rules of the race by which you strive is the word of God. The requirement for winning the prize is obedience. The process comes through grace. And the finish line is either the rapture or the moment of your death. For you see, the prize we work for is not attained in this life, but rather the prize awaits us at the end of our race. We're all in it, whether you acknowledge it, as I said earlier, whether you acknowledge it, whether you've even paid attention to it, or whether it's even mattered to you. You're in the race if you're born again. So Paul used athletic imagery to describe to us what it means to be a disciple what it means to live the Christian life, and what it means to actually grow in holiness. Some of you have been in a race for decades, like me. Some for only a few years, maybe some for even a few months. But no matter where you are in the race, these verses that we just read in Philippians will speak to every single one of us some kind of way. They are intended by the Lord to light a fire under us so that we will pick up our pace, widen our stride, and press on to the finish line, knowing that Jesus is watching us and waiting for us to get to the other side. Beginning in verse 12, the first thing I want you to see is Paul's spiritual assessment of himself. Have you taken an assessment of you? Paul shares with the church where he is. He tells it straight. He shares with the church where he sees himself. He knows that he has not yet arrived at perfection. Verse 12 says, Not that I have already attained it. So he knows that. And then he points back to verse 10 in that same chapter, where he declares his utmost desire that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. We can't help but be amazed in that, because Paul is honest in his self-assessment. He has no illusion of grandeur. He knows he is not yet there. He knows he has not yet attained. Even the apostle Paul, who many consider and certainly I do, the greatest Christian in the early church, I think most of us, he wrote most of the New Testament, who suffered multiple trials, many, many tribulations in his ministry for the sake of Christ, even he knows that there's still so much more of spiritual maturity that he needs to attain. Then how much more must you and I need to pick up our pace in the will of God and run our race energetically. There's so much more of Jesus' church for us to know, so much more conformity to his image that must take place in our individual lives. The more we know of him, the more you want to know of him. When you really get a little nugget and you really learn something about him, you're not satisfied with a little nugget you want to keep picking up nuggets. Yes. You want to know him. So we need to ask ourselves, how long have I been in this race? And how much of Jesus do I really know? I would think if we were honest, most of us would be absolutely, if we were honest, we'd have to give an answer that even would shock us. Because we live fooling ourselves and we make our comparisons to each other instead of comparisons to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, to make ourselves feel better. Well, I'm not like him. Well, I'm not like her. Well, at least I do this. Or at least I do that. And so we begin to feel like we're pretty good. But well, we have measured ourselves by the wrong standards. Then Paul proceeds to his second point. In the middle of verse 12, he says... I press on. The Greek word that's translated press on is very interesting. I didn't know this. Maybe you did. It's used 44 times in the New Testament. And in the vast majority of times, it's translated in the context of persecution. Maybe that's why I didn't want to know about it too much. The word persecuted literally means to be chased To be run after, to be run out of town because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the image of this word press on. But in this context, interesting enough, Paul's not being chased. Paul is the one doing the chasing. He says, I press on. He's running after Jesus to catch up with him, (laughs) to get hold of him, to become more like him. He's doing that. He labors to the point of exhaustion. He holds back nothing. There's absolutely nothing passive about Paul's Christian life. And his understanding about the high calling of being transformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus. I mean, he's not dragging his feet. Nobody had to make him go from town to town and preach. There is not one drop of let go and let God. There's no sitting back and waiting for some supernatural zap from heaven to take place. To move me and shake me and shake me up so I do something. Brother Paul, this, he's committed to the nth degree to pursue the Lord. And if you think you've been under condemnation, wait till you hear this. He disciplines his body, makes it his slave. He resists the devil. He flees temptation. He puts to to death the deeds of the flesh. He sets his mind on things above. He perseveres in prayer without ceasing. He fights the good fight. He takes on the full armor of God. He puts off the old man puts on the new man, he is all in to whatever it takes to become like Jesus. This is his one, this is his only ambition. Everything else in his life is secondary. What drives the Apostle Paul is the pursuit of Christ-likeness. The pursuit of knowing Jesus more and more deeply. He caught on to the fact that he really could be transformed into the image of Jesus. It became real to him. It was not a spiritual thing that was so far out there that you just automatically lowered the standard. So he says in verse 12, not that I've already attained it. I have already become perfect. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. The words lay hold of literally means to literally lay your hands on something. Seize it with aggressive effort. This leads us to verse 13, which is addressed to believers, not unbelievers. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. In other words, he says, I haven't arrived yet, but I refuse to quit. I don't know about you, but I refuse to quit at this stage of my life. I absolutely refuse to quit. Paul narrows his focus down as if he's looking through a keyhole. And all he can see is Jesus on the other side. He's like a racehorse with blinders on. He's tunnel vision. All he can see is Jesus with his one supreme goal. Everything else, as far as he's concerned, is sideline. Paul has one master ambition, to know Jesus more fully. And to achieve that, there's only one thing. He said, I forgot the past. And I reached forward to the prize. He had a laser beam focused on Jesus. He locked in on Jesus. I mean, he didn't see anything else. Just Jesus. He wanted us to be the same way. So he gives us two instructions. Number one, he said it over and over. Forget the past. Number two reach forward for the prize. Amen. Amen. I can tell you, you cannot do with any power, with any way of bringing anybody to Jesus if you cannot forget the past. That's good. You have to forget who you were outside of him and your faith has to believe he has no records. You have to believe and you have to step into that role because people will say, well, how can you hold your head up? And you have to say, what are you talking about? The one you're talking about. Literally not just a saying, that person who did that no longer exists. And you have to buy it, you have to walk it out, and you have to be it. Today's the day to let those things go. There's very little time left before you go meet him face to face. If there ever been a time, church, to stretch your spiritual muscles to the max, it is right now. It requires some stretching mentally, emotionally, and at times even physically to stretch yourself past where you've been with the Lord to where we need to go. Amen. You cannot we can't sit here in our chairs of ease and just rock yourself on into glory. Not when he has so much go for the gold. Verse 14. I press on <laughs> toward the goal for the prize. Of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. In other words Paul is saying. I've run after Jesus as fast as my. Spiritual legs. I said this morning. As I kept kept saying Lord as fast as my little spiritual legs would take me. I run as fast as my spiritual legs would take me. And the closer I get to the finish line. The more I pick up my pace. Because Jesus is getting closer. And closer as I come to the end of my life. Paul knew at this point that he was marked for execution. He knew his time on earth was very limited. Paul refused to retire. The closer he got to the end of his life, the faster Paul ran. Like a runner who sees the finish line and picks up his pace to the best of his ability. Paul inspires all of us as we get older, not to slow down in our Christian life, but to re-energize ourselves, knowing that time is short. We don't have all the time we think we have, no matter how old you might be. Is there any greater price than Jesus himself? To see him in his glorified body. To be welcomed by him in the heavenly realm. Wow. King of kings and Lord of lords shines brighter than 10,000 suns. I promise you. On that day, we will see him not as the humble carpenter from Galilee. But we'll see him like he is now. Enthroned at the right hand of the majesty on high. We see him as a sovereign universe, control man, the sovereign of the universe and to whose hands is being given all authority that there is, heaven and earth. No one has more than he. No wonder Paul is sprinting toward the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God is like a subpoena That will arrest us and take us into his presence. Unto him who is the prize. Jesus is the prize.